Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 152. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Uh, doing alright. Hanging in there. Good to hear. Yeah. This week we have two reviews lined up with the Moe Brothers Killers, which landed in theaters and on demand this week. And since Sundance is happening right now, and we're not there to enjoy it, I figured we could be there in spirit by reviewing a movie that premiered there this week with Charles Pokel's Christmas Again. And we're also going to be talking about some of what we've been watching, and of course we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases, all that fun stuff. Remember you can send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net. Or leave us a comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. You want to just hop in? You want to just hop right in? I'm I'm all for hopping. All for hopping? Yeah, there's a... Sometimes we do news, but there's really not a whole lot of news going on. There is no news, really. Yeah. None of it. So I think we'll just hop. We'll hop right in. Fucking hop. Let's do it. You want to do... Uh, which one do you want to do first? Ooh, that's right. I, I forgot that we switched it up. We did a switch. Let's start with with Killers, I guess. Okay. So, Killers, as I said, directed by the Moe Brothers. I'm not even going to... I'm not going to try to pronounce each of their names because I'll just butcher them. (laughs) They're not actually brothers, but that's what they go by. Uh, I have a synopsis here. A psychopathic Japanese executive accidentally triggers a journalist's dark side. They begin to connect over the internet... And make a complicated bond. Uh, yeah, I guess that's... <laughs> uh, alright. I guess that's one one way you could look at it. <laughs> this is... Is it produced by Gareth Evans or executive produced? I think it's produced, right? I, I Sure. I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure it is because it's Mirantel Films, which yeah. is his production company. So, fans of the Raid series, you will... You will see a lot of similarities in this as far as the actors and yeah. the visual style, too, I think. A lot of familiar faces, which yeah. kind of distracts a little bit, don't you think? Which, it, it, uh, it's not their fault, uh, you know what I mean? No, but, it's not their fault, but especially the fact that the one of the main characters in this movie is in The Raid 2, and that, to me, I just kept thinking about The Raid. I know. And then, you know, some of the smaller characters, when they pop up, yeah, it's like, they, oh, when they yeah, The Raid 2. You're like, oh, I remember him. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, um, this is a very different movie than The Raid, though. This is not an action movie. I would call this a horror movie. This is, yeah, definitely. I don't know if I was. I was expecting an action movie, to be honest. I I was expecting. So was I. I was spec. For some reason, I was kind of thinking I saw the devil. That's kind of what I was imagining. Where it was just it was an action movie, but it was more of a uh, not martial arts, but just brutal, violent yeah. action. And it just slightly leaned horror. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was going to be more violent than a typical action movie just because it's about two serial killers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. So what do you think? What do you think well, on this one? It's it's interesting because uh, I've seen this twice now. I rewatched it for, for this review and I saw it a while back and... Uh, I, I was really expecting to love this movie because this this is the type of movie that that is really within my wheelhouse. Yeah, it's kind of I up like, your alley. 
Yeah, I like movies that involve uh, people at odds with each other, pitted against one another. And this, like the synopsis says, this movie does involve two two killers who are kind of going at each other. But it turned out to be a lot different than what I expected. And I, I, I don't know why, but it's just such a nasty movie that I had a really hard time... Uh, just getting on board with it yeah it is very difficult the all the characters you know i was expecting it to be one serial killer that's really sadistic and then another killer who is sort of like a dexter where he kills bad people yes and then he decides that he wants to kill this this other uh more more evil serial killer but both characters are pretty evil in this i would say yeah one more so than the other but the, the guy who's the the journalist who has his what does the synopsis say his dark side uncovered or whatever yeah his his dark side triggered I, he's still he's still a, a pretty unlikable character very much and so and he's still pretty bad i would say mm-hmm. and like that's all i could think of too was i thought that he was gonna go this dexter route because it kind of maybe... starts off that way too, where he has, you know, his dark side is triggered not really by the the serial killer. It's more of a him being robbed and he just defends himself. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of weird that there's that whole lead up where he's watching the video of the the Japanese serial killer. Yeah, like it, I don't know. It just didn't because really... when they, when he's watching that at the beginning, it he's doesn't. Appalled. It doesn't look like, uh oh, you know, something's been triggered because he's just watching it. You know, he doesn't look like he's getting off on it or anything. No. But then after that event occurs at the beginning where he does have to kill somebody, that's, it seems like that's when it really got triggered. Yeah. And then, you know, he sort of goes on this vigilante style killing spree, which isn't really a killing spree. I think what he like he kills he, he targets specific <laughs> he targets one specific group. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he goes after all kinds of bad people. He really goes after the people that wronged him. Yeah, and really only one of them is where he kind of plans it out and yeah. films it like the Japanese serial killer. The next the one after that is just again him defending himself. Mm-hmm. Guy's going for a gun, he shoots a guy. And then it's kind of over. And then you're just kind of left with nothing going on, really. It's just it. it there's so much fat in between what actually happens in this. Yeah, movie. there's. Yeah, this. The first time I saw this, uh, I, I had uh, a screener for it, and they. It took me so long to get through it. I oh had my to, god! Yes, I, I had to. Felt it like took me like I three want... days to get through this movie. Dude, I seriously, I think it took me all day yesterday to watch this movie, and I don't understand it. Like, I didn't take that many breaks, but it just felt like it would never end. Yeah, it is a long, it is over two hours long. It's two hours and 20 minutes long. So, when you say that there was a lot of fat in this movie, I completely agree. Yeah, there is no reason for this movie to be over two hours long. Absolutely no reason. Yeah, because the premise is so simple. Mm -hmm. It's... It's two two serial killers, and it's telling their stories, and you know that eventually they're going to ha- be pitted against one another. That's that's what's going to happen. <laughs> and then the way that happens, the way that that finally comes about and is presented on screen is just so 
ridiculous. Like almost like they forgot. Like oh yeah, these guys, these two have to go at each other. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll just have him show up. He just shows up in Jakarta. Yeah, we'll just fast forward through everything. Just yeah, and that's up there. Yeah, and that's the other thing to remember is that half the movie takes place in Japan and half the movie takes place in Indonesia. So it's like, and I don't think they did a a very. um, I don't think they really did a good job of switching between the two storylines. It's kind of a mess, really. Um, I wasn't too bothered by the switching. I there were just so many aspects of it that I wasn't interested in i was kind of glad when they would switch away especially the the whole uh relationship that the japanese killer forms with the girl and yeah. her son or was it her son or her brother i can't brother. remember her brother her, her brother brother yeah that, and oh my that God. whole that whole s- subplot i understand that what the Mo brothers were doing here is they were really trying to flesh out these characters and and try to help us understand their motivations and what they're trying to do here and they were really trying to develop these characters but for me I didn't in this context I just didn't want any of that I, I thought it was not, completely unnecessary not only did I not want it but if you're going to do it at least do it well and I think yeah. that that plot line you know that subplot where the, you know you kind of find out more about his the the guy's relationship with his sister his and sister, some yeah. some of his past life but it just makes things murkier i thought like i didn't come away understanding him at all it just yeah. his motivations i was confused more by that subplot and then the whole thing that goes on with the sister and then you know there's finally a reveal with that it was just like what the fuck is going on it just yeah, the, seemed completely unnecessary. So, so many of these characters, and not just the two main characters, but the some of the, the supporting characters, too, the actions that they take in this movie are completely baffling at times. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a big spoiler to say at the beginning, when he first meets the the woman and her brother, she tries to kill him by having him stand in the middle of the road and get hit by a car. Which... and. How would that, in what world would that be something that someone would decide to do and think that that would actually work? I know. I mean, and the whole, the, the, the entire way that that sequence plays out, it was just, to me, it was hilarious. It was just unintentionally funny because it was just so poorly done. And, you know, they're trying to, like, draw out some emotion, which, it, no, I'm sorry. It just doesn't work at all. And there's so many times throughout this movie where they do that, where that you know that piano music comes on, yeah. and every yeah. time that came on, I just chuckled to myself. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? You're gonna mm-hmm. try and do emotion in this movie about two killers going at each other through uploading videos on the internet?" Yeah, I mean, come on. Which, uh, which was a whole that whole that was another thing that I thought that was I understand that they included that so that there could be a connection between the two killers since they are in different countries. But the, the whole idea of including the, I'm uploading it to the internet and I'm getting hits and that's my goal. And I'm going to keep doing this because I'm getting hits and stuff. That's a, to me, that's a tired concept. We've seen that a lot before and to kind of sort of explore that again, but not really even, 
delve into that very deeply. No, they're not. I at thought all. that that added more more fluff into it that we didn't need. No, it was extremely surface level, and the the whole technology and apathy and yeah, is exactly. just it was not. There's so much in this movie that's just unwelcomed. Yeah, I thought I like you know the. He's like slamming on the computer, trying to wake. Like, oh, oh my goodness! It was this was a frustrating watch. Yeah, to be it completely is. honest. Now, but that being said, I there was a lot that I did like about this this movie. Anytime that we weren't focusing on the characters and furthering the plot along, I liked everything. I loved all the action scenes. I thought that a lot of the action scenes and. Uh, scenes of violence were shot really well particularly the scene in the car in the parking lot the the shootout that was like in in the car mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, how they kept pulling back and back and back and you could just see the flashes yes I there were there that. were a lot of scenes like that there were a lot of kind of slow dolly shots and things that i thought looked great there was a lot about this movie that i thought looked really good and for people that like violent movies the there's a lot <laughs> this movie is so brutal Very at times true. just that opening scene oh. when when he's when the japanese killer is going after his the the first victim that we see just that whole sequence and how it plays out with um how it cuts between the girl trying to escape and the production logos you know the title cards popping up I thought that that was really and the, and the score to that too. Yeah, exactly. I thought that that was all really well crafted, and so there is. I don't. I I did like the movie overall. I just had some issues with how the characters were developed and the way that the plot played out. But any time that we actually saw the killers doing their thing, I I was into it. Even though honestly, at times it was almost. It's hard to watch <laughs> for bit, me. Yeah, a bit. It was. Yeah, it was tough to watch. Very tough to watch. You already know that I have trouble with this type of stuff. Yeah. And this was. This was difficult. But it, yeah, to I me, mean, pe- like you said, there's there's a good movie in here, but there's just a lot of fat and a lot of these subplots just really sidetrack the movie and just really bog it down. The whole, like you said, the uh, Kitamura's relationship with the woman and her brother. That whole thing really bogs it down. The when he gets sidetracked with the prostitute, mm-hmm. that really bogs it down. I mean, you still get that fantastic sequence at the nightclub. Yeah. Which, good lord, that bathroom confrontation with the oh. pimp. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The, the way that they <laughs> shot that, I guess it was just the way that the they color corrected it or something. It just looked so nasty and like visceral oh, and real it, and it the was way so the blood looked and it's just it was so cold too it yeah was just cold ice cold and then just the music come on that shot of him just standing there with the blood blood all over his face and butt mm-hmm. on the wall behind him oh my goodness but there's just too many too many of that too much of that where it just gets bogged down and then they try and come back to like the main plot point the point the main narrative and you got to start all over again you got to build up the momentum again and then it gets sidetracked and then you come back to and you got to build up again it just felt like it kept stopping and starting yeah yeah it's it stalls it stalls a lot and 
That's unfortunate because, like you said, there is a really good movie hidden away here. And it's funny because a lot of times one complaint I have about movies is the exact opposite where there's too much uh, action or violence or whatever and not enough character development and story. I mean, the big problem that a lot of the uh, a lot of horror movies have is that they don't focus on developing the characters so that we actually yeah. know anything about them or care about them. But this movie, it's it's well, too mu- there's too much going on. Well, yes and no. I mean, they do try. You got to give them credit that they do try and flesh out these characters. It's just oh, yeah. for me, they just didn't do a good job of it. It's yeah, like they had no focus on what they wanted their characters to be. Like they try and flesh it out, but they didn't. It's almost as if they didn't think ahead. Like this, yeah. okay, this is what we want to present this person as, and they try and flesh it out. And it's almost like they're trying to come up with the character on the fly. And it just, like I said, it just becomes their motivations become murkier and murkier the more yeah. they try and flesh these characters out. Because there was also so the the Japanese killer had the uh, the woman and her her brother, and then the other the Indonesian killer has a wife and a kid and that again felt that one almost felt not they didn't get into that enough no. for me no because you never believed that he wanted his family back at least i didn't it was just kind of like yeah you know i guess to make him a little bit more sympathetic but you know half the time we're we're not even dealing with his family and then all of a sudden he's back to it trying to get them back together like, after a week has passed and he hasn't seen anyone, and he's just drenched in blood for, like, five days straight. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, beaten to a pulp. He's, like, constantly beaten to a pulp. He just keeps chatting with the Japanese killer. Just yeah. and, it, the, and the thing that took me over to the edge was the end. That was just... That was terribly executed. The, the, the face-off at the end? The face-off at the end was just... That was too much. And then just yeah, the terrible they, they effects went a little... at the very, very end of, you know, would actually... The green screening on that was... Oh. It got a little... Oh, yeah, oh, they went a little over the top towards the end there. But I did like what happens before that when one of them saves the other one. Yeah. I liked that, that they put that in there. And then completely flipped it. Because you think, like, oh, okay, they're going to they're gonna team yeah. up. Yeah. Nope, that's not what happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad I'm glad it didn't happen that no, way. Same here. But I don't know, maybe maybe I was just disappointed that it didn't play out the way I kind of wanted it or expected it to in my head because I really did want it to be kind of a Dexter serial killer type thing. You just missed and Dexter. No. <laughs> no, I don't. Maybe that's maybe that's really what it was. I was kind of hoping that this would be <laughs> it would make up for it. a better version of Dexter. <laughs> it comes close, but yeah, that, uh, that's the thing that gets me the most is that they try and flesh out the characters, but it doesn't work at all. It's over two hours long, and there's no need for it to be. And I just the music, I could not, I just couldn't take it seriously. Every time that that melodramatic shit would come in, yeah, it's just like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. I think maybe they just took took the movie a little bit too seriously. I think, uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Because boy, is it! <laughs> it's intense. It's an intense movie. Uh huh. Uh huh. But I think just maybe it's a little, little overly ambitious. A little bit. A little bit. They could. 
it definitely needs a, a seasoned editor to come in and just clean it up. Yeah. Clean it yeah. up a little bit. Tighten it up a little bit. Cinch, come on, guys. Cinch it in. I still, I would still recommend it for people that that are that are into Asian horror movies, especially if you liked I Saw the Devil. Now, I don't think that this is anywhere close to being as good as I Saw the Devil. No, but it has but that feel, though. It's in the same, yeah, it's in the same vein as I Saw the Devil. So, if you like that one, I would say check out Killers. It's it's an investment. It takes a while to get through it, but the the action scenes and the and the more brutal violent scenes are very well very well done. Hmm. I can't recommend it. I just can't. Uh, yeah. can't I'll, I'll, I'm going to give it a light recommend and I'm going to give Killers a uh I'll give it a uh, I'll give it a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 5. 5 out of 10. Right in the middle there. They have it. Killers is playing in select cities and on video on demand right now. Let's talk about one that you can't watch <laughs> currently unless you're in Park City. And I'm sure that our listeners love it when we review these movies that aren't aren't even out <laughs> oh, <sure>. yet. <laughs> hey, look, look at what we got to see, and you can't. <laughs> I'm sure that this is going to be out at some point this year. Oh yeah, I can definitely this see this. This seems like a uh, this seems like a Factory Twenty Five type film. Oh, we... you're already predicting who's picking it up. Yeah, I'm gonna I am. I'm gonna Fa- I'm gonna keep an eye out, see if that's what happens. So this is uh, Christmas again is the title directed by Charles Pokel. I'm I, I, I said Pokel. That's what Charles I Charles Pokel. Um, this is his feature debut. Oh yeah. And it stars Kentucker Oddly. And I have a synopsis here. A heartbroken Christmas tree salesman returns to New York City, hoping to put his past behind him. Living in a trailer and working the night shift, he begins to spiral downwards until the saving of a mysterious woman and some colorful customers rescue him from self-destruction. Now, Kevin, you posted up a uh, review for this. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I think we began with me talking about killers, and I guess we're going to have to begin with me talking about Christmas again, too. That's right. That's right. Leading the pack this week. Breaking all the rules. Uh, I liked Christmas again quite a bit. I, for some reason, found it to be very entertaining to see the inner workings of (laughs) selling Christmas trees on the streets of New York. I don't know why. It's funny that you say that. Because that's exactly how I thought. I was just like, this is really entertaining for some reason. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm just interested in how you sell trees on the sidewalks of New York. The different the different sizes, the different types of tree that they offered, how they prepared them, you know, putting them in the netting and sawing the bottom off. And I, I, I don't... It felt, <laughs> it felt sort of like Clerks at first, where... It was kind of him interacting with the generic types of customers that he encounters on a daily basis. Yeah. So it did have, at first, it had kind of a clerk's vibe. Not necessarily the way it was written or anything, but just kind of the structure of it. Uh, It it definitely goes... It gets more serious than anything that clerks tries to do. And I was kind of surprised that that it did get so serious and... It, it made me realize that this character, what he's got going on is 
his character's a lot more, a lot deeper than I initially yeah, thought. Yeah, he, he's going through a rough patch. But it's, it's, but the way that he... It's tough. The way that it's presented on screen, though, is so understated oh that it feels God, very yes. real, you yes. know? It's not like he's having these crazy emotional outbursts and acting like an idiot. It's it's very understated. He's he's kind of keeping it together, and then he just every now and then he just kind of loses it a little bit. Yeah, he just he has little his little emotional breaks, and yeah. you know they like I like you said I was really surprised at how restrained and subdued this movie is. Like I can understand if people get a little bit frustrated by that. I could see that as a critique, but for me it was refreshing. It's just all these like little small moments of human interactions that he goes through and he's just having a really rough go of it and he just withdraws further and further into himself and he just doesn't want to, you know, deal with these people anymore because they keep asking him about his girlfriend and it's just, it's a sore spot and he has to put up with those co-workers of his and And he gets punched. He gets punched in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought that that, I, I really enjoyed the way that that's, that whole sequence played out when, the boyfriend comes to buy a tree and just the yeah. questions that he's asking and Kentucker's character is just kind of confused as to why you would be asking these questions. But it's not, nothing's like played, nothing's blown up, nothing's over-exaggerated. Everything is just very, very small and just, it feels so real and genuine. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, And just, you know, you where he takes this, you know, he withdraws further and further and he starts spiraling down and, but it's not ridiculous and out of control, you know, where, you know, like you said, crazy things are happening. Just throwing stuff yeah. and lashing out. No, he's just, he is depressed. And it looks like depression. Yeah, and, and see, that's <laughs> It feels the thing. like depression. He acts like how a lot of people would act when they're going through that. They, they put on, a, they put on a, a face and they deal with it and they... You know, do their job and they interact with the people, their coworkers, and whatever. And sometimes it just gets too much and they lose it. Yeah, it it becomes more difficult as the days go on to keep that face on. Which I thought Kentucker did a fantastic job of portraying, and to the point where, like, towards the end, you know that he's at kind of bottom here because he's just not really talking at yeah, all. And there's yeah. it, even his movements, his body language is just there's like no life in it. Yeah, he's just he just looks tired and. He's just, he is dejected beyond belief. But then it's a little, a little turnaround happens. We get a little turnaround. We get a big turnaround, really. And we get, uh, we get some, some really, really, again, small, subdued moments. But they just have a huge impact, which to me is extremely realistic. Yeah, and I think that in the end, this, at least for me, felt like a really uplifting movie it's a i think it's a movie that although like you said it's very subdued in its message i think that it has a very heartwarming and and kind of wholesome message about christmas this is a christmas movie it's not just at least to me it felt like an actual christmas movie as far as the meaning of christmas and all this stuff it wasn't just about to me it wasn't just about uh, uh, it wasn't set to the at the backdrop of Christmas, yeah, no, it wasn't no. just about a guy selling Christmas trees. It really did kind of encompass the feeling of Christmas to me. Yeah, 
because those those interactions with those customers when he goes on the deliveries, that's what's you know at first it's what kind of sets him off because there's that one delivery to the appears to be you know a married couple and the woman's pregnant and they're kissing while he's putting the tree up and he just yeah. breaks down and cries afterwards, but then the deliveries after that you know where he, he sees how much happiness that he's bringing to people by bringing these trees in. It's just it's such a nice movie. Yeah, it's it just is so yeah. nice. It, it just nice felt movie. so good. Like I said, it's so refreshing just to have a nice movie, just small, small scale happiness. Yep. I don't know. Did Did you look into how this was? Uh, how this was shot? It was definitely shot on film, but I don't yeah. know if it was like sixteen or thirty-two. Yeah, I'm not sure what they used. But you got cinematographer Sean Price Williams in there shooting this bad boy, which it, it again. That's another thing that kind of surprised me with this. This is Pokel's first film, first feature, and he gets Sean Price Williams to do cinematography. He's got Robert Greene as the editor, and he got Kentucky Aldley in in the central performance there. Like, man, he got yeah. like an all star team for his first feature. Yeah, and it turned out really good too. I thought I thought Kentucky Aldley did a, did a really good job. I with thought that he, character. I thought he did a fantastic job. I was extremely impressed. I mean, it's almost like a silent film performance really because he barely has that much dialogue a lot of his a lot of the emotion that he conveys is through his facial expressions too just and, the way the way that he looks around and I, moves his eyes and i mean the his eye movements alone when he's listening to that radio drama sold yeah. the shit out of that radio like i want to watch that or yeah watch it i want to listen to it right now he looks so enthralled i was wondering the whole time though where what channel was he listening what station was he listening that was playing a 40s radio drama like that i don't know i don't know brooklyn it's brooklyn it is yeah yeah. could could probably there probably is a channel in brooklyn that plays 40s radio drama you know there is Uh, uh. (laughs) but yeah yeah i was really surprised with this one yeah I was surprised at how intrigued I was again to see the inner workings of Christmas tree sales in New York. Uh, just the, the and his customers. That yeah, Bluetooth were, son of a funny. bitch. Oh, that fucking Bluetooth guy <laughs> taking his pictures and yeah. spinning the tree and shit. Oh my yeah. god, that would have irritated me. Uh, I'm Go sure ahead. that that's how it is. Too. Oh, I'm sure it is. And then you had that. Can I get the Obama tree? Yeah, the Obama tree. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> uh, yep, I'm sure that that's how it is. It, it, yeah, it is, a, it is a funny movie, too. I think that it's not... it On IMDb, at least, it doesn't say it's a comedy, but I think there's a lot of funny stuff in this. I thought so, too. It's a, but again, everything, everything is small yeah. and subdued. I can't stress that enough. And I, in my review, I said that it's no... By no means revolutionary or game changer or anything, but I'm starting to think that maybe it is a little bit because it's just so damn restrained and nice. Which yeah, I mean, um, how often do you usually with indie films nowadays? There's always that kind of like a, a thread throughout that's kind of cynicism and you know what I mean. Yeah. But this one is just it's niceness the whole way throughout. It's just nice little interactions between people. Yeah, it's good to see an optimistic movie. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, a movie that kinda... a movie that takes a look at 
human interaction and in a good human, light. human beings as a whole and, and kind of looks at them like, you know what? Most of us are pretty good. And it's just, and it's through really, really small exchanges. You know, just a woman yeah, very, complimenting yes. his wreaths that he made. And just the look on his face when she's, like, asking what the various things are that he put in the wreath. And he's just so damn excited that someone likes his wreaths. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that to make matters worse for him is he works the night shift. So the amount of human interaction that he has is probably very limited as it is, which probably isn't a good thing when you are going through a tough breakup. Well, yeah, and that he's not getting any sleep whatsoever. Yeah. He can't sleep. And that was the other thing that I like, how they handled the fact that he was clearly going through a breakup. It's We didn't see ridiculous flashbacks of back when him and his girlfriend did the, did the Christmas tree thing. We didn't, we didn't see any of that. No. It was all through through the progression of the story we learn that this is something that happened to him and we don't by the end we still don't know exactly what happened but it doesn't matter no and like i said in my review it's kind of nice because all of that is kind of portrayed through his facial expressions and what he's going through it sort of gives you everything you need to know right then and there we don't you don't need a huge explanation of what their relationship used to be, you know, were they engaged or, you know, whatever it is. You can tell on his face that this was a really important relationship in his life and it's no longer there. And really that's all you need to know. Yeah. And I just I and I also just love the line where, you know, Hannah Grossus plays the woman that he kind of helps out the one night, finds her on a park bench and just his reaction to you know when she comes back about the whole pie thing and he's just like oh you know i'm sorry i got excited someone made me a pie Mm. just uh, just that line of like you know he got a little bit carried away because he was so excited that someone made him a pie Mm -hmm. really helped him out in that in that moment of his life it is like you said it's i i find myself being taken aback when films are optimistic now where it's kind of like oh yeah i forgot that this was like a viewpoint Optimism. <laughs> this is this is something that exists in the world. I completely Still? forgot about that. Yeah, I guess people are kind of nice. Well, it's funny because recently, in in the last two years or so, I've noticed that any when a movie does come out like that, we always talk about it and highlight that with Land Ho, with We Are the Best, with Chef. You know these these movies. There's not a lot of them that come out during the year. So when they do, it's it's always so refreshing because yeah. normally we're dealing with, you know, Selma and movies that are always just very depressing. Yeah. I don't know if Selma's the best choice, but no, I, I, know. Just, <laughs> I know I happen to be looking at, <laughs> at the poster for that when I said <laughs> and it. you're like, yeah, that'll work. But still, I mean, so I know, yeah, I know it can I, be uplifting, but at the same time, it's still something that I know what you're saying be, too. And it's a pretty heavy downer. And unfortunately, for a lot of these types of movies, they kind of get cast off to the side because there's not there's not that much room for analysis. You know, they're not extremely deep movies, and they're not you know trying to work out the you know oh fuck I just had it now I lost it lost completely lost the train of thought. Uh, well, they're not 
trying to We're make in- a, a I don't th- I don't think they're trying to make a statement on the human condition. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. Something like that. Something along those lines. And I think that they kind of get cast off to the side and not really taken seriously because people kind of more, see the the yeah, lack of because pathos. they're more they're more intimate stories. It's yeah. It's more about these specific people in this situation and it doesn't necessarily apply to the world as a whole. And but oftentimes I think they end up that that is what ends up happening. I mean Christmas again, yes, it's it's a very small story about this one guy who's just dealing with a breakup and he, his life turns to shit and then through a series of very small, seemingly insignificant gestures that random people uh do he realizes that you know the world is a good place and i think that in the end that can be looked at as uh, a statement on the human condition yeah i would agree and yeah it's a nice thing to kind of remember that you know there's a lot of people in the world that are going through some tough shit and just like you said those small seemingly inconsequential moments of just being nice. You don't even have to be overly nice. Just being friendly. Yeah. You don't know how much of an impact that that has on a person. I also want to just reiterate that the way that he acts in this movie is not like uh, a lot of other movies. Like Swingers, for instance, where Favreau is just completely broken and acts like an idiot. You know? <laughs> It's not annoying the way he acts, because I think that that sometimes that could turn some people off if they yeah know that there's a character that's dealing with a breakup. Boo hoo! <laughs> it's not like that in this movie. No, no, he just he he preoccupies himself to try and take his mind off of it, but people keep asking him about it. Yeah, because they work together. It's his old crew. He misses his crew. He misses his crew. I think we all miss our crew. The good old days. All right, so you gave Christmas again a set. Would you seven? I gave it. A, I gave it a seven. Um, but this one is still with me. Like I saw this back on Thursday, and then I still keep think. I find myself thinking about this movie at least once or twice a day. So Put I'm. This. I might go up to an eight. I might okay, go up. Wow. All right. Well, I, I'm giving it a seven and a half. Okay. Now, this is one that I could see maybe putting in my Christmas rotation. Oh, without a doubt. That could happen. It's just got that good old old school Christmas spirit to it. Yeah, and it's it's rare that I add a movie to my Christmas rotation. I think the last one I added was uh, right Elf. Ooh, gets in there with Elf. I mean, it's a very different movie, but as far as Christmas movies go, I, I don't... <laughs> watch yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit the same ones every year you know what i mean like i don't have a lot that i watch every year religiously i actually don't watch any i don't have like a christmas rotation is that something that i should do should i start yeah. that I don't, I don't think a lot of people do that i certainly do okay. i make sure to watch die hard every christmas and uh national lampoon's christmas vacation and elf you know just watch them every year oh yeah gotcha. It's not like I mandate it, like I have to or anything, <laughs> but I try to. Schedule it every year. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't schedule it out. 
so Christmas again is it's screened at Sundance. Hopefully this will get some sort of distribution and come out this year. My guess is that it'll be out by Christmas, which I think would be a fantastic idea. Yeah. All right, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, Kevin, we'll just start it with you. Oh, fine. Well, I dipped in to your movie challenge. Oh, boy. It's, it started, okay? And the first one that I did was I went, I went straight to the sci-fi and started with The Day of the Triftids from 1962. Now, unfortunately, I didn't know that you didn't see this one. If I knew no, that, if I, was... I knew that ahead of time, I would have wait. I would have waited. I would have put this one on the back burner, that, and you know, giving you a heads up, like, hey, I'm gonna watch this, and then we could have a little discussion about it. But I just, I jumped the gun and went straight for Day of the Triftids, which this is, this is a weird, weird movie. Um, not in the traditional sense, just production wise. Um, it feels like a classic 50s sci-fi, but it's from 1962. Um, the special effects work. It's pretty impressive, gotta say. the The costume design and the abandoned cities takes place in London, and then he the character travels on to France, and then he ends up in Spain. And that really adds to the atmosphere where he's walking through these completely isolated, abandoned areas, except for a couple of people that are just stumbling around blind because everyone went blind during a meteor shower. Okay, mm-hmm. everybody except him because he just had eye surgery. Hmm. So he can see, and he you know meets up a little girl that can see, and then he just meets other people, and there's not really that much tension or anything really. <laughs> you have these triftids, which okay, this is the backstory that they get. Okay, they they showed up on Earth a little bit before this meteor shower on a meteorite, and they just decided to put it in a greenhouse. They're like, oh, a flower from space, cool, put it in there. The second meteor shower comes, everyone goes blind. Triftids wake up and just start eating people. No explanation whatsoever. That's all. That's all you get as background information. So that's what you're left with, okay? That's, that's just how it was back then. You, just, didn't need, you didn't need stuff like explanation. No. So All you needed to know was that shit was killing shit. The, see, you have these giant, they look like a mass of vines, and they crawl around. Right, they're very slow moving, extremely slow. And when they move, they make a shit ton of noise. And they're like eight, nine foot tall, okay? And on the top of them, they have this like giant orchid looking thing, right? So they're in the foliage, they're in the Greenlands, they're in the forest, woodlands. So, okay, you're in London, so what would you think to do? Just stay the fuck away from those areas. Yeah. Like how the, how the hell are the drifted sneaking up on people and snatching them up? I know that they have... Kind of, you know, the people that are kind of they're blind, so they're at a disadvantage. But still, you can hear them coming. And just stay in the streets or lock yourself in the house. Triftids can't open up doors and shit. It's just, it's a good idea, and the the effects look good, but they just completely forgot to put in, like, tension or anything that would hold your interest whatsoever. It's just really more of an American sailor walking around Europe, <laughs> and that's it, just running into people. And then occasionally a Triftid will eat somebody. It's just, it's a mess. I did not enjoy it. It's not mm. engaging at all, really. Like, it starts off like, oh, this is kind of a cool premise, and then they go nowhere with it. I wonder if it's uh, sort of just like a rip-off of The Blob or something. 
I it could be, could be. Because it seems like a rip off of the Blob. Yeah, I I do not recommend it. Mm, mm. Not at all. Well, that's a shame. I think I might still try to give this a watch. Just oh, you have to. I just watched because it. just because I'm <laughs> I signed it to you. You have to. Uh, where do I, okay, where do I want to start? Uh, I will start with Black Sea. Okay. So this came out in limited release this weekend, and it's directed by Kevin McDonald's stars. Let me just lay this out for you. Okay. We got Ben Mendelsohn, Scoot McNary, Submarine Movie. What? What? How do we know? What else do you need, Kevin? I didn't even know that this was a thing. Yeah. Like, I never even heard of this movie. Oh, it's a thing. And you have Jude Law, Scoop McNary, and Ben Mendelsohn. Yep. In a submarine. Yep. They're all inside of a submarine. <laughs> they are. In, and uh, there's also another uh, English actor that I like quite a bit in it. And I always forget his name. Sorry, I'm going to look it up. It's also got Gregory Dabrygin. The Russian actor from Most Wanted Man and How I Ended This Summer. Mm-hmm. Look at this. Why is this not getting more of uh... Michael Smiley. That's that's who okay. I was thinking of. I like him a lot. Pretty much everything he's in. I don't know. When I left the theater, I don't... I was... I, I said to my girlfriend, I don't understand why people are not talking about this movie. What happened here? Because it is excellent. It is a white knuckle suspense thriller but it's a heist movie it's a heist movie in a fucking submarine are you kidding me whoa this just keeps getting better and better yeah so the the basic premise is uh jude law gets fired from his job he specializes in underwater salvage and he gets fired and he meets up with a bunch of his buddies at the local watering hole and one of his buddies says, hey, I heard about this job. Uh, I can't get the crew together to do it. Maybe you can put it together. Maybe you're interested in it. So what they do is they put together a 12-man crew, six six English, six Russian. They get this wealthy investor to front them the money to get a submarine, an old Russian sub. <laughs> yes. And they... Yes set out on this expedition to find a sunken Nazi U-boat okay. in the Black Sea that is filled with four tons of solid gold. Oh, boy. And they have to do it kind of sneakily. All right. They have to, they have to sneak it. They got to tiptoe the submarine down there. Yeah, they tiptoe the submarine All right. in the Black Sea. Of course, things go horribly wrong. They, they and, tend to. Yeah. And it's just, it is so suspenseful, this movie. I mean, it's just one thing after another. It's interesting, because what you're describing sounds like like a 90s action movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely has that 90s action movie vibe. And I was eating it up the whole time. It's not the best movie ever. It's not going to win any awards. <laughs> the characters are, are kind of silly. And there's this under underlying uh um theme of the the working man it's all about the working man because the this crew that he that Jude Law puts together are all guys that were wronged in some way or another by the by a giant corporation uh, okay 
these are very skilled men. And when you see them work in the submarine, you're just kind of in awe at the skills that they have. And these are guys that have a paper route, you know, for instance, (laughs) or are just unemployed. Uh, And so a lot of the themes of this movie revolve around the working man rising up and taking, taking what's his and all this stuff. And a lot of it is not, a lot of it doesn't work. And there's a twist that happens at the end of the movie that is almost inexcusable that I just, it, I, I couldn't believe that they did it. And it was just so ridiculous to me. It's not, See, you started out strong. Now it seems like you. Well, I'm talking. pointing. I'm pointing out the okay. negatives because, okay. like I said, it's not a perfect movie. But the the bad twist aside, it's still an incredibly entertaining thrill ride, and I had a lot a lot of fun with it. I was on the edge of my seat almost the entire time. In my review, I said I've never been more excited to see someone listening to a sonar. <laughs> There's a, the one of the Russian guys in this. He's an expert sonar uh, operator. And there's a lot of scenes involving him just, uh, just listening, listening to sonar. That's it. And the way that they shot it and the way that they presented it, it's so tense. You're just like, oh, my God. And it's like, <laughs> and he's like sitting there <laughs> listening to sonar, clicking a stopwatch. But man is it and that dude is a badass too he he can basically navigate a sub by listening to sounds in headphones it's crazy just crazy some of the stuff that happens in this movie uh mendelson's really good i had some issues with his character he plays kind of he he plays kind of the uh the wild card Uh, of the the crew gotta have that wild card yeah he plays the wild card of the crew, and he's the one that kind of makes everything go haywire uh, for them. Because that's what usually happens with the wild card. When they go down there, immediately the Russians don't trust the English, and vice versa, because they're all getting equal shares. Mm-hmm. So you know they know if one of them doesn't come back, that's more money for the rest of them. Okay. So there's this kind of. Uh, tension between the crew as well and Mendelssohn basically mucks everything up <sighs> but his character is so he acts so inhuman and in the movie they say oh he's a psychopath <laughs> and they're like yeah but he's the best diver there is or whatever <laughs> and they bring him on board and it's like well Clearly, like they, I think they might have been joking about the psychopath, but he really is a psychopath. I mean, just he murders people in this movie. Oh my goodness, that's not what I was expecting. Yeah. He, uh, so he he because uh, you say he mucks things up, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, he fucks. Yeah, he mucks things bit. up by murdering no, he, somebody. <laughs> Your idea of mucking things up. <laughs> well, he so he murders somebody, but that causes a chain reaction. Of murders? events yeah. in the sub. Oh, I thought like a full-on murder party breaks out in a submarine. Mm, well, let's just say that more than one person get. Oh, there, there's several murders that occur. But one thing that I was actually worried about because I did see the trailer for this before uh, I saw the movie, I was worried that it was going to focus on 
the the conflicts between the crew members and it was going to turn into a uh one of those types of movies where they're trapped on this sub and nobody trusts anybody and they keep double crossing each other and yeah and that does happen but it's way way more focused on them getting out of the situation that they put themselves in or that they get into gotcha so there's a lot more uh submarine action if you will and this was like what i wanted pioneer to be yeah you kind of love that submarine action yeah so black sea if it's playing in your area i saw it in an amc so i'm thinking maybe it got some kind of decent release maybe it's playing at amcs seek it out because it is it is uh quite good quite good i have one that's unbelievable and that's grave of the fireflies Uh oh have you seen this bad boy yet uh i can't remember i don't think so well i think you would remember if you did because this is soul crushing this is Uh, one of the saddest experiences i've had with a film it's just so damn sad no i didn't see this one this is the 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 war one yeah world war ii which i mean there's a lot of people that say that it's like an anti-war film but i didn't really see it that way and then and then reading about it a little bit more, that wasn't the director's intention either. It's just kind of like a, you know, it's a it's a story that takes place during World War II. And it's kinda, it kind of puts them on this path because, if, you know, food's getting rationed and everything along those lines and they lose their mother. This movie starts off with a kid dying. The main character right off the bat, first scene, he's dead. Okay. And then his spirit gets reunited with his little sister because mm. she's also dead. So within the first two minutes, you know these characters die right off the bat. Don't even play around with shit. They're just, they're dead, okay? And then it goes back in time and sort of shows them up until that point. So the entire time that you're watching to the end of the movie, you know that they're going to die. And they're going to die sad deaths. So everything, it's just, there's such a black cloud of sadness over the entire runtime of the film because you know what's going to happen. There's no hope. There's no silver lining. There's no happy ending. You know how it's going to end. And it's just heartbreaking. Because what in turn happens is you just see the, uh, the boy. He's like 12, 13 years old. He's kind of taking care of his sister because they lost the family. And he's just he's doing, he's doing the best that he can. His intentions are good. okay, mm-hmm. But he is terrible at being a caretaker frustratingly so i've never wanted to reach into the screen and just punch a kid more (laughs) in my life because everything that he does just brings them ruin and it's mostly just because he won't do anything besides goof off which makes it so much sadder it's so damn sad i can't stress that enough i just as soon as this well actually during the movie I was just completely dejected the whole time. And then as soon as the movie was over, I was just straight depression. Mm. And it's it's one of those movies where like, okay, this was absolutely unbelievable, unbelievable animated film that I never want to see again in my entire life. Yeah. I don't want to experience this ever again. So with that being said, go check out Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> I'm sure you have a hell of a time. Well, I saw, kind of just bouncing off of that, I saw one that, that emotionally wrecked me, 
and that was Mommy, uh, directed by Xavier Dolan. You're an awful person. Uh, I hate this your, movie. I hate your new life. Let's just <laughs> throw that out there. Oh, <laughs> uh, and and the thing is too, this is one that almost demands that you see it in the theater. Oh, you son of a bitch. So. This is a, it's a two and a half hour long, which I didn't know going into it. Two and a half hours yeah, long. His, his movies are long. And it, it's kind of this epic story of a, a mother trying to take care of, his, of her son, her 16 year old son, who it, he has severe emotional problems. He's got ADHD. He's probably bipolar he he just has these violent outbursts where he'll just he'll just lose it and just go insane okay and it's just kind of about her trying to prevent anything from happening to him that lands him in jail or in an institution now the film takes place in a fictional canada where there, there's a, uh, a bill passed that says that you're allowed to institutionalize a family member if you feel that they are a danger to themselves or others. Yeah. And it's part of like the national health care. So you can basically commit so it's, it's kind of any like, family member. So it's kind of like the olden days. Mm, you sort of. People committed yeah, sort of. willy-nilly. Yeah, sort of. And... The, the film starts with uh, her son getting out of... He was in kind of a boarding school type thing for sort of juvenile delinquents. And he gets kicked out because he starts a fire in the lunchroom and it uh, badly burns one of his classmates. Ooh. So he gets kicked out and she decides that she's going to try to homeschool him. <laughs> Which uh-huh. is uh, not the best plan, but... They make it work for a while, and the interesting thing about the film is that it's shot in a 1-1 aspect ratio, okay. and this is, Xavier Dolan is the first director to ever shoot in a 1-1 aspect ratio, and when you see it, it's really weird. It's a square. Yeah. You're basically looking at the, the screen, and it's a square. That's... It, feels, it feels very odd when you watch it at first. But the technique that he uses, the, the, the way that it works, it actually really benefits uh, the story. Because this is a very intimate story and it's a very, a lot of the cinematography is very close and it keeps, it keeps the focus on the characters. There's no uh, extraneous stuff in this. Like you're fo- you, where he wants you to focus, that's where you focus because that's all you see. Yeah, nothing on the periphery to kind of take your attention away. But the interesting thing is, periodically, he stretches it out to a widescreen, a 16 by 9. Okay. So... That already has my interest. So basically, yeah, so basically, there's one scene that that occurs, and it's pretty far into the movie when he stretches it into the widescreen, and it breaks the fourth wall, the, the main character um antoine oliver olivier pilon he breaks the fourth wall and actually physically stretches the aspect ratio into a widescreen and it it sounds kind of weird but it totally works and 
basically with the tight aspect ratio, that's kind of portraying reality. And when uh, the the wide aspect ratio happens, it sort of represents like, at least to me, it represented hope or they did that when things were really good in these characters' lives. They pulled it into the widescreen. Yeah, and kind of, I'm guessing, like, creating some breathing room. Yeah. These people. Yeah. All right. And I'll, I'll, it, this was a beautiful, beautiful movie. It, I mean, it is such an emotional roller coaster. It's a challenging film, but it will fucking wreck you. I mean, <laughs> it will leave you in tears. It is a tough tough movie but it is it looks gorgeous i'm telling you kevin oh i i can imagine because the cinematography in this movie he uses a lot of slow motion which you know he loves that slow-mo which you know i love and he uses it eh, probably at least five times and every time i'm just like yes yes that's it's one of the xavier dolan knows how to use slow-mo he does a fantastic job with slow-mo. Yeah. I he, love any time he does it. It kind of reminds me of when Wes Anderson uses slow-mo. Uh, a lot of the shots are framed very similarly, where it's often people walking towards the screen or people walking away from the screen. Plus, he always sounds... Usually, it's people walking. Yeah. <laughs> or running. And then, running. He, you know, he always soundtracks it with, like, a classical piece. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because my wife was saying the same thing last night. Because since we didn't have mommy, mommy's not playing around here. So what we did instead was watch his debut, "I Killed My Mother," mm-hmm. which is on Netflix, and a lot of the same stuff. You know, a lot of slow mo. He does, you know, where he kind of introduces a scene with the with the montage of things that can be found in the room that they're going to be in, those types of things, and just I love the way that he presents his films. Yeah. Absolutely. I think this is actually the first movie I've seen by directed by him. So I will immediately be watching everything else. Jump on it. Yeah. Jump on it. I'll be watching everything else because this movie just completely floored me. I thought that it was I would like to see amazing. I'd like to see what you think of uh, Lawrence anyways, because that it kind of sounds like what you're describing with mommy outside of the aspect ratio thing is the same experience I had with Lawrence anyways. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely be watching that now and anything else he does, because I'm completely on board with everything that he's going to be doing now. And I think that it's, I think that they totally got robbed with the Oscars. I know that this was on the short list, but it didn't make the cut. And I think that it, it, it absolutely should have. I thought it was better than Leviathan. Plus, plus he's 25. Yeah. I mean, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, holy shit, this movie. I mean, I I, can't, I, just, I can't. His his debut, I killed my mother. He's like nineteen twenty, and he's already made. God, I don't even know how many movies now. Like four, five. I mean, he's just banging them out. Yeah, I think this is his fifth fifth movie. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's so. Ugh. So, absolutely, check this one out if you can see it in the theater. Please do because. The the aspect ratio thing makes it... I think seeing it on a TV, as long as your TV doesn't do anything weird to force it into a specific aspect ratio, you might you might be able to get the same effect. But I think uh, the to really experience it, if you can see it in a theater, but 
just check it out. It it is long and it is like I said, very challenging to to get through it because it. I mean, it just pummels you. It's like it's like Rust and Bone or one of those where it's just emotionally draining. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of tension in this too because you'll you'll know when something's happening and you're you're just waiting for him to to snap and you know it's going to happen but you don't know when you don't know what he's going to do but it, there's just that build up and you're like oh man is, is he's going to lose it right here i don't know what he's going to do <laughs> which is which is funny because it sounds it's a, a lot of those things i would say about i killed my mother too because it's kind of the same thing it's he he plays a version of himself with his, his, his single his single mom trying to raise him and he's kind of a he kind of goes off the handle a good bit of the time and just you know he's a pain in the ass to be around and he just can't stand her and she has trouble with him and just that whole dynamic going on and it was kind of the same thing you're just waiting for him to snap or blow up and they just get into a huge fighting match yeah where they're just screaming yeah. at each other there's just there's so much that happens in this movie too i mean it really is an epic story there's just so much going on stuff that i mean you can talk about this movie for you can have very long discussions about this movie because there's just there's so much there there's so much going on so Fantastic. highly recommend it mommy I, I my wait. initial my initial thoughts 9.5 mm-hmm. might might even mm. i don't know might jump up to the 10 Ouch. might hit the tenor oh boy I don't know if you saw on Letterboxd, there's uh, a lot of people are loving this. So There's a lot of people loving Xavier Dolan. And yeah. I'm starting to see why. Because I got two under my belt now. And I can see it. I can see why people are freaking out about this guy. I just, yeah. I kind of bummed out it took me so long to get into it. Or come around yeah, to it same, and actually watch same it. Same here. Yeah, same here. And it also, I mean, as much as press as he gets and... You know, people loving his movies, and it's usually universal praise. Like, where the hell is Tom? Tom at the farm? Like, why did not not come out yet? Why does that not have U.S. distribution? I just don't no. understand it. I'm also really pissed that this didn't get any kind of awards consideration. That really because the performances in this too by Andorval, Antoine, Olivier Pilon, and Suzanne Clement. Are oh yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Dorval and uh, Clement are in I Killed My Mother, and they're fantastic as well. And Suzanne Clement, I think in Lawrence Anyways, I think that was one of the best performances of that year, was her in that movie. I mean, he gets some damn good performances out of his actors. Yeah. Whew. Yep. Anything else? I have one last one, and that's The Burning. The Burning. The Burning. I got into... What what was this part of your challenge? Slashers, slashers, slashers. and I we talked about it before, and I knew that Jason Alexander was in it. You know, it was mm-hmm. an early Jason Alexander role. Yeah, but I didn't know Ned Eisenberg is in this, or Fisher yeah. Stevens, <laughs> or Holly Hunter apparently is in this, but I don't remember seeing her anywhere. I don't know who the hell she was. Yeah, I don't know. But boy, this one's it's rough. Some of the some of the, the you know the actual footage quality of this movie is really rough. I mean, it just looks like this was made on home video by some some guys dicking around with a camera. But huh. get, 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 well, 
I think I gave you sleepaway camp too, didn't I? <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> Get used to that look. But uh, the thing that irritated me the most is this movie takes its good old time getting started. I mean, there's just so much of this summer camp shenanigans bullshit going on. Uh, yeah. Just, I... It's just, it's like, is this a summer camp movie or is it actually going to be a slasher at That's some what I love point about in time? <laughs> is it, it's rare that you have a slasher movie like this that has so, such a buildup. I mean, I mean yeah, the buildup on this is ridiculous. It's, it's not even like, it's not even necessarily a buildup. It's a, just a different movie. I mean, no, it just gets interrupted by a slasher movie towards the end. That's actually what uh, e- Eli Roth likes to do that with his movies too, where it's just a regular teenage you know, sex comedy or summer camp movie. And then the, and then, the slasher you know, film just turn. crashes the party. Yeah. Um, I like that. The It's odd also because I don't understand who these people are. Like, are they other counselors are they actually campers <laughs> that's because <laughs> they go to the wreck the mess hall and there's like little kids there and you're like yeah. oh okay so they're like the counselors but they're like 30 yeah <laughs> and then they all go on this canoe trip without taking anyone else so there's just yeah. a shit ton of young kids back at the camp with i guess one guy overseeing them the one guy that stays behind and it's not even like they don't even do camp stuff with those kids it's just these other kids are just running around. I don't even... Are they teenagers? Are they like 25 years old? Are they 30? I have no idea. So that's extremely confusing. I have no idea what the hell's going on. Why they're even going on this canoe trip. They didn't think this shit through. But, man, when the slasher stuff finally pops up, uh, holy shit, the effects. I was not yeah. expecting this movie to be that gruesome, to be honest. Yeah. I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cheesy, like, you know, the how they kind of mask stuff and there'd probably be like one set piece where it was like, Oh my God, that's disgusting. But every single kill is disgusting. Yeah. And these shears are so sharp. Yes. They, they are. are just ridiculous. They, they just cut through anything. Oh, they cut right through fresh Fisher Stevenson's fingers. I mean, did you see that? And he just looks <laughs> at, there's no fingers there. Oh my goodness. It's just ridiculous. And then the whole, the ending of this, the whole, you know, the dolly shots, the fast-paced dolly shots through the woods where they're uh, Alfred and I think it was the guy's name, Todd. Mm. They're getting chased by a killer, and then they end up in those ruins. I don't even know what the hell that place was, but everything that took place in there was fantastic. The overhead shots look amazing. Um, the guy gets rid of the shears and goes to a flamethrower for some reason. I don't know why he did that. <laughs> that seemed unnecessary. Because he was doing a really good job with the really shears. Really good job with the shears. He was efficient as all hell. I don't know why. I guess, you know, because of the past and everything. But he, him and fire just don't work. And he needs to learn that. And, I mean, this was... I was kind of surprised by how much I enjoyed this one. Because right off the bat, watching this, like I said, that how bad it looks. I'm just like, oh my god, this is going to be difficult to get through. I don't want to watch this. And actually, like 20 minutes in, I was like, I just want to watch Wet Hot American Summer instead. Yeah. Because that's how it felt at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, man, yeah. This was this was surprisingly good. You know who produced this? Who produced this? Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Didn't he actually like write it, too? I think so. I think he wrote it. Because I remember seeing that pop up, and I'm like, is that like Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein? Yeah. 
It's the the Weinstein. Wow. Yep. Harvey Weinstein and Peter Lawrence wrote it. How about that? Hmm. Yeah, check that one out. That was a pretty good slasher. Got to say. This this is now available on a remastered Blu-ray from Scream Factory. Oh so, boy. So check that check I, that one. I just love the fact too that Alfred I love his character because he does not fuck around. As soon as he sees someone getting killed by the co- he just bolts. Just <laughs> as fast as can be, just gets the fuck out of there. Doesn't like try to help, doesn't scream out, nothing. He's just like, oh shit, someone's getting stabbed with shears. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Was this the one? I can't remember. Was this the one where there's like two, maybe two of them, they actually just did get away? They, they just left and went to the cops? Was this that one? No. This is they build a raft because they lose all their canoes. They build a raft and they send out Fisher Stevens and Ned Eisenberg. And Ned Eisenberg's a fucking dick in this movie. Jesus. So they send them out on this raft to go back and get help. And they're like, oh, hey, there's one of our canoes. And they go over and the guy jumps out with shears and just goes ape shit on everyone. <laughs> cutting off fingers, stabbing people in the throat, slashing faces. Uh. So And then the raft comes back upstream somehow. <laughs> And the girl swims out to it to like, oh, why are they joking around and not moving? And no one realizes. <laughs> and then she pulls an arm out and just loses it. And then for some reason, like, spreads it all over her breast for some reason. I don't know why. And then they, fin- <laughs> they finally they take the same raft and go back and actually get help. Oh, man. It's ridiculous and fun and disgusting. Uh, yeah, I... I'm a big fan of the bird. And this is 81 too. So mm-hmm. this is this isn't like at the height of the slasher boom or anything. This is at the very beginning. This is one of the ones that kicked kicked it off. Boy, is it it's something. It is something. Yeah, I I kind of cuz I gave you Sleepaway Camp too and and I I love Sleepaway Camp. I like Sleepaway Camp more than The Burning uh yeah. for different reasons, but I kind of wish I would have given you a different because they're both summer camp movies, and I, I that's you. why initially I said you watch Black Christmas instead. But oh, okay, I do. It does. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll just leave it like that. I just I never got to experience summer camp, and it seems I like did. people just. I guess that that was a huge thing. People were all about summer camps. It feels I like I maybe, missed out. Like I don't know if it was an actual thing or if it was just a an 80s movie thing <laughs> that's what there I keep, so many summer camp movies that's what i keep wondering that's what i mean it's like it was this actually like a huge popular thing like all kids went to summer camp and have summer camp memories and i just I missed out and had a shitty childhood or what what happened or I have were my parents that poor that i couldn't go they couldn't afford summer camp mm, i don't know I, I don't think summer camp was as prominent for us I only went to one summer camp that was like a, a sleepaway camp. Gotcha. The one that the that you actually stayed there. stayed there. Gotcha. Uh well anyway. The burning. Okay. I, I recommend it also. Uh one that I don't recommend, this will be my final movie. Everly. This uh. came out <laughs> This came out on VOD this week. It comes out in theaters next month sometime, but you can see it now. It's directed by Joe Lynch. Now, this is the guy that did... He did Wrong Turn 2. He did Knights of Bad Astem. And this was the... I don't know if you remember the story behind Knights of Bad Astem, where everybody was really excited for it. Mm-hmm. And, like, the 
the studio, the distributor, or somebody, not the distributor, the, the studio or whoever, uh, wanted him to change it all around. And then they ended up taking it away from him and Everything. recutting it. And it was just a mess. And the, the movie turned out bad. After seeing Everly, I'm wondering to myself, how good could his director's cut have been? Because I hated Everly. <laughs> Man, and now I, maybe you understand why they tried to take it from him and fix maybe. it. It may be. Because uh, this movie is the most generic uh, Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez exploitation rip off it it just it defies it defies explanation i mean it just it doesn't uh so basically it doesn't look interesting at all. yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna gather my thoughts because my rage is it's, just it's, building and building it's boiling movies like this really piss me off because as you know and as i say every episode and people are probably sick of it i love exploitation films i love movies like the burning and it really bothers me when these modern ones come out that just seem to shit all over the these old movies and to me everleaf was was that it maybe some people just look at it as if it's an action movie but I, I don't look at it that way at all. I mean, it was clearly, to me, it was clearly a throwback to exploitation cinema. And the basic premise is that Selma Hayek is held up in an apartment and she must fend off wave after wave of uh, killers yeah. that, are, that are trying to kill her. Mob, mob guys. That makes sense. They don't say where this takes place at. Uh, Everybody except Selma Hayek and her mom and her daughter are Asians, so I'm guessing maybe it takes place in Japan and she's fighting Yakuza. She has a big full back tattoo, so maybe it was a Yakuza thing. They all they all have the, the black suits and black ties as if they're straight out of Kill Bill, and it definitely has a Kill Bill vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Where they play the ironic music. For some reason, this movie play, takes place in, at Christmas time, so uh, the soundtrack is mostly Christmas music. Yeah, that makes sense. But they play it during very bloody shootouts and things, so it's, you why, know, why, it's why like silly. You? It's silly. Why wouldn't you? It's just a silly thing that they do. Hilarious. Uh, she's half naked through a lot of it, so there's there's that. And I will say that she looks really good. Selma Hayek looks really good for being almost 50 years old. I was surprised at uh, how how good she looks. And she does a fine job. But the whole time I was like, why is she in this movie? Like, what made her decide that she wanted to do this? It was so poorly written and poorly executed. And then I found out that Kate Hudson was originally cast in this. And what? Yeah. Kate Hudson. (laughs) And the whole time I'm thinking, how how would Kate Hudson have pulled this off? I I want to. This see is an that. action movie. I, mean, I want to see that. That's what I want to see. She's fighting people. She's stabbing people, shooting, throwing grenades. Ah, oh, we really missed an opportunity here. That I know. Sounds so goddamn interesting. Yeah. Uh, because the whole movie takes place 
in this apartment. Sometimes Selma Hayek will leave the apartment or try to leave and the camera stays in the apartment. So the camera actually never leaves. So sometimes there's some creative camera work that's done where uh, the camera will go zoom through like a bullet, not zoom through, but focus on a bullet hole to see what's happening in another room or it'll uh, pan to the window and show what's going on outside. So there's some really interesting camera movement in this and, and there's some really there's some kind of interesting framing choices and a couple of the action scenes, what happens in them is creative. There's a, a scene where someone gets shot by a sniper and the way that they're standing in a kitchen and the bullet goes through them and hits the pots and pans that are on the counter Ooh. and just the way that it's shot looks it was really effective okay. and i liked that so there there are some pluses about this movie the minus is just way overshadowed them almost all of the blood is cg so it looks pretty bad there's a scene where Selma Hayek's getting tortured by this guy called the sadist and he has a bag full of acids different acids and he takes a, a drop of this acid and puts it on her leg and it burns through her pants and burns her leg and it's all done in cg and it looks so bad it's like you couldn't just put makeup on her leg to make it look like a burn you have to do it in cg come on it's just i don't yeah it seems like a lot of people don't know how to it's it's so thin on plot Basically, it's just an excuse to show a hot chick killing a lot of dudes in very violent ways. All right, if that's your thing. Pretty much, that's pretty much all it is. And you know, sometimes I think that that's fun. I think that movies like that can sometimes be fun when yeah. they're just simple, dumb, fun action movies. But there's just nothing here. Everything feels ripped off and bland and generic and boring. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, I just, I could not stand it, and I cannot recommend Everly. Yeah, I don't know why that's the thing. I didn't think it was going to be good, but I just figured, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Just keep being baffled by how these movies get made. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's uh, talk about some predictions. Uh, Let me pull it up here. I forgot to write down the results. All right, last week. Oops. Oh. Whoops! Sorry about that. Is that like a drum pad? No, that was that was my wedding ring against my chair. Oh, okay. Last week, Mordecai, you said thirty. I said thirty-six. Actual twelve. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, Mordecai, the boy next door. You said fifteen. I said thirty-two. Actual thirteen. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Cake, you said thirty-eight. I said forty-six. Actual forty-seven. I love this time of the year. I know. It's just to always check the movies opening this week on Rotten Tomatoes and just seeing those low numbers. Rotten, 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 rotten. <laughs> it's just a list of rotten. And Strange Magic, you said 38. I said 42. Actual 11. <laughs> Race to the bottom. Good old January. I will say, so Black Sea got an 81, which I was happy with. Killers got an 86. Wow. Mommy got an 89, and Duke of Burgundy got a 97. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, R100 also came out this week. That got an 81. I thought that already came out. It came out in theaters this week. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now we got to put up with this shit. Well, sometimes they hit VOD first. <sighs> Red Army. That's another That's a documentary. That got a 97. I might be checking that one out today. I decided. So, yeah. I think that January used to be a dumping ground. And I think... It's still it's still a studio dumping ground, but there's all these really cool indie movies that are coming out. I mean, The Duke of Burgundy, Mommy, well, I think Killers. That's what uh, they're trying to, which is a really good idea. Is they're trying to capitalize on this with the VOD releases. You know, you yeah. have people. It's you know a large portion of the nation. It's cold out. You don't really want to go out. There's nothing in the movie theaters anyways that makes you want to travel outside anyways. So put some good stuff in VOD. Bank on it. Come on. Yep. I like it. I like it. Well, hopefully next week there'll be some some good stuff. Uh, there's a couple. So next week, let's go over this. Project Almanac. Oh, boy. That's a found footage time travel movie. Oh, with kids. With kids. Hey. Project Almanac. What are we going to do? <sighs> uh, what are you thinking on this one? <sighs> 30. 30 okay i will say 46 we have the loft mm. this one actually kind of slipped by me i don't really know too much about this one it's got a cool poster and i think james marston's in it or somebody i think this is a remake too i want to say like a danish movie or something could be wrong i actually don't know anything about it that's all i know so not much okay uh, I will just throw out a random number in that case and say 56. Okay, it's a tense psychological thriller. Five guys who secretly share a penthouse loft in the city so they can indulge. Okay, I'm going to change that <laughs> to a 36. <laughs> uh, uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, I'm going to go with a, uh, like a 30, what do you say? 36? 30, 36. Okay. I'm going to go th- uh, 38. Okay. We have black or white. That's the Kevin Costner. Oh God. I just, I saw a trailer for this before Selma. Cause I went to see Selma again. And this trailer popped up for this movie. And I don't, does anyone else not find this movie extremely offensive? I think it looks terrible. It uh, looks ter- number one. It looks just downright terrible. But it also just looks ridiculous and offensive. I don't know. I don't know what the angle is they're going for with it. I, I don't know. Is Kevin Costner supposed to be racist? Is that what they're trying to get I, at in it? I, that's what I mean. Like I don't. I don't know. It's like who's who thought that this was a good idea? Really? What? Like why? Why do we need this? Well, Kevin, they're trying to explain to us that it's it's not about black or white. It's about family. I guess. I guess this is their attempt at... Family transcends color, Kevin. Well, uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> but I like how the movie makes it about color with the fucking title. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. And the entire trailer. So <laughs> I'm not sure if that's their intention. And isn't that like the whole premise where 
uh, or, or the whole basis of the the court the custody thing where they they think that she needs to be around other uh, I, yeah I don't people of color it's one of those things <laughs> that I just I don't want to get involved like no. I just wanted to just no. let's ignore this movie just let it slip by I'm not I'm not getting in there I would all I will say is why the fuck did someone think that this was a good idea and the people that signed up for it too just it's baffling yeah. Uh, what are you thinking on it? I'm thinking a 24. I will say, I'm gonna say 26. So I'm going 40, 30, 20. All right, all right. In limited release next week, we have Alien Outpost, Wild Card, Hard to Be a God. Did you write a review for that already? Uh, no, but I probably can. I can probably finagle one. Yeah, because you loved it so much. I, I fucking MacGyver one together. Girlhood. The Devil's Violinist. Check out a, check out the if you if you want to see a funny trailer, is you it, watch watch the trailer for The Devil's Violinist. You is will, it supposed to be funny? No. Okay. It's not supposed to be funny, Fantastic. but you will laugh. Awesome. The trailer's actually up on uh, on FilmPulse.net. If you go to the VOD uh, calendar over on the right side, so you didn't actually make it like a post that brought attention to it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, it's just listed on the calendar. <laughs> we also have Supremacy, Suburban Gothic, and Amira and Sam. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Next week on Video On Demand, we have Amira and Sam, which you're going to be reviewing that, right? Correct. That's a draft house, right? It is a draft house. It's Romantic comedy. That's an interesting... House. They have a very eclectic mix. They do. They do. I'm, uh, we'll be reviewing that next week. Fantastic. So stay tuned for that. Suburban Gothic, that's one I saw at... Uh, which you quite liked that one, didn't you? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. It's by the same director that did Excision, which I also liked. Okay. It's uh, it's an interesting horror comedy. More comedy than horror, but it's still... It's pretty fun. The Devil's Violinist, again, watch the trailer. You'll enjoy it. Alien Outpost, we will have a review for that up. Ernie, oh, Ernie wrote a review for thank that. Thank God. It didn't look terrible. I saw the trailer because it sounded awful. It just but then it I, does. It does. It sounds awful. Is it's it such sound a footage? generic? No, no. I don't. I don't think. Maybe it is, but I don't. Sounds. I like didn't it, get that from the trailer. At any rate, the the trailer made it look not horrible. Yeah. Uh, Supremacy and wild card. Wild card. Wild a lot card. Of, a lot of wild card talk today. A wild card. We yeah, always we always have an unexpected theme. There is always an unexpected thing. <laughs> just pops up. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have The Book of Life, Fury. I'd say check out Fury. All check right. that one out. I'm not I'd say, going to, but I'd sure. say Netflix it. Okay. I mean, when, whenever it hits Netflix, check it out. Right. I think you won't, you won't hate Fury. Oh, that's bringing endorsement. I'll you jump, won't hate it. I'll jump straight on that one. Buy it. Go out and buy it on Tuesday. <laughs> I'll, wait for the, I'll wait for the Steelbook edition. Yes, that's what you need to do. <laughs> the Judge, which uh, I haven't seen, and I don't think I plan on no, seeing that one. It looks terrible, and I heard terrible things, but everyone's all about that Duvall, huh? No, the Academy's about him. <laughs> no one else is. That's another thing that people got pissed about, is his nomination. It doesn't make any sense. Nope. It's, like, uh, I, it, it's almost as if everyone kind of... The way the response was was like, "Holy shit! I thought we agreed to just ignore this movie. Like, what did you do? Why did you? 
You brought it back? What? We had it. Come agreement. on. Uh, Justice League, Thrones of Atlantis. Normally, I like those DC animated movies, but this one I'm not sure about because I think it's about Aquaman. I was gonna say it sounds like it's about Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, which I, and I don't know. I, I saw the cover. I didn't see any trailers or anything. The cover looks like it's a different style of animation. Hmm. So eh, I don't know. Uh, Miss Meadows. That one kind of came and went. Nobody really talked about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody cared about that one. Open Windows. Light recommend. It's okay. I actually saw one. I didn't mention it, but I saw one uh, slam, slam dance movie called Ratter. Mm-hmm. that has a very similar premise that yeah. does it better than Open Windows. Okay. So wait for I'll that. probably talk about that next week. Uh, and Why Don't You Play in Hell? Yeah. Yeah, ch- check that one out if it's, you want some it's just crazy, ridiculous, fun, crazy Japanese craziness. All sorts of craziness. What yeah. do we got on Criterion? We have one Criterion movie, uh, La Sanaga from 2001, Lucretia Martel's debut, which I've been wanting to see for a while now. So I think I'm going to make that happen because I, I only see one movie from her and that was The Headless Woman back in 2008, which... I enjoyed, but I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't overly impressed with, I would say. But apparently this one's supposed to be tour de force, supposed to be incredible. So I'm looking forward to that one. Argentinian, Argentinian cinema, get it. All right. Is that, is that the only one? That's the only one. That's all oh, they yeah. have. Okay. That's it. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up for this week. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. Be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. Une veste de cache comme